Hi, I'm Sonia. I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Lokis. So in honor of Pride Month this past June, we wanted to connect with South Asian members of the LGBTQ plus community. We think it's an incredibly important intersection to explore, but as, again, as cisgendered and straight women, we wanted to be mindful and ensure we weren't speaking over uh, others and for others. So we reached out and wanted to thank everyone who has reached back out to us and shared their stories. Um, and we just wanted to say thank you for the love and support um, we got when we announced that we were going to be doing these episodes. Yeah, and so this is the second episode we're doing uh, regarding LGBTQ plus voices in the South Asian American community. Um, so please check out our first one with Chitra if you haven't already. And once again, thank you for everyone who's reached out. It's been so amazing to see all of the people um, who've been comfortable sharing their stories, and we're very grateful um, for all of you. And today we have the honor of speaking with another loudmouth who we are so, so excited to speak with. Um, so welcome, Nova. Um, just to get us started, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I'm Nova. I'm based in New York City. I'm kind of like all over the place with what I do. I have many different interests, but um, mainly known for my modeling, for my acting, um, and I also do some activism work. Um, and I'm very loud about my um, queer identity and you know, advocating for LGBTQ rights and just representation in general. I feel like there's not a lot of conversations about um, that community and a lot of us feel like we're alone, but we're not. Absolutely. And we're so, so grateful to have a loudmouth like you with us. We were actually connected to Nova by Anjali, um, who we talked about in season two uh, as one of our inspirational loudmouths. So this was very, very exciting and an exciting collaboration. Um, but as we get started, I think something that both Sapna and I have been learning about and as we try to educate ourselves is cis people using pronouns when they introduce themselves. Um, and it was something that I didn't really you know, understand in the beginning, but the conversation that I had was, you know, if cis people start introducing themselves with pronouns, then it becomes a normality. People who don't go by pronouns that they like would, I guess, quote unquote, be presenting as might, they would be targeted as if they're the only ones, you know, using their pronouns. So that's just a practice that Sapta and I have been wanting to, you know, implement. So I'm Sonia. I go by she and her pronouns. I'm Sapna. I also go by she and her pronouns. I'm Nova, and I go by they, she pronouns. So would you mind explaining that a little bit? Uh, you mentioned to us earlier that you're non-binary, and we were wondering if you could talk to us a little bit more about gender identity itself and your experience with it. Well, 
I think it's really interesting to talk about like gender and um, because our community has such strict gender roles and you know when you stray away from that you're automatically like labeled you're automatically like ostracized for it and I just remember when I was a little kid um, I didn't necessarily identify as a certain way I didn't know these things you're not taught these things you know but um, I just had certain interests and I have certain mannerisms and I just didn't understand why the boys could do things that I couldn't do and why I was labeled differently from the boys for doing the same exact things. It just felt very unfair to me and it caused a lot of dissonance with me and I just didn't feel like it was ever fair. But I wasn't trying to like be a certain way. I was just myself. And there were just different moments growing up where um, I was just more masculine. Like I have a very masculine energy, even though I'm very femme presenting. And when you get to know me, you'll see it. But I just remember there were just these times where I would dress up alone as like a boy. And I wouldn't ever really go outside like that. But it would feel very, like, comfortable because at that time, like, I, it was, like, private for me. Um, and it was fun. And I also had a lot of guy friends who would just give me their hand-me-downs. And I felt very comfortable in their clothes. And I liked dressing that way. But mm-hmm. my curves would give me a lot of, like, um, body dysmorphia. And it just felt, like, weird not being able to look the way that I wanted in masculine clothes. Um, There was actually, like, very recently, I bought my first kurta for Eid. And um, it was really fun because it was the first time I got to wear, like, masculine daisy clothes. And I did it on Eid, and I was kind of scared to ask my dad about it um, to buy me one. Like, at first, he was really confused. He did it anyway. but it was also very affirming for me to like wear it and I was surprised that like the few family members that came and saw me in it they just complimented me on it no one said anything but like they were just like nice about it and that was affirming it's so nice hearing that you had such a good experience uh coming to Eid and having family members complimenting you and just being very supportive in that sense because I think we were talking about this in the last episode, too, with our, our last guest, um, but just talking about how in the past we haven't seen um, too much, like, approval and, and support for the LGBTQ plus community in Desi communities or in South Asian communities. So I'm very happy to hear that you had that experience. Um, also, just kind of thinking about uh, how gender identity is stigmatized uh, not to mention all of the ways in which sexuality is stigmatized in uh, Desi culture and South Asian culture as well. Um, and it's interesting thinking about the ways that homosexuality or, or sexuality that strays from the norm, whatever that is, um, has been kind of viewed as a disruption from, from the nuclear family unit that we're very used to and familiarized with. Um, And so what would you kind of say is the relationship between gender identity, sexuality, and family? 
um, in our community is, is Desis or South Asian American. Right. Like I mentioned earlier, um, we have very strict gender roles in our community. So straying from that is just like anything like that. You just get ridiculed straight off the bat. Um, and when I think about like my experience with family, um, my family is very like non-traditional um, in the sense that you know, there's mom, there's dad, and then there's the kids, but my parents got divorced. And so the gender roles kind of like, they were different for me because my mom had to be the one to um, work all the time. And um, so did my dad, they weren't together. And I just see like, when I look at my parents, I just see how like different they are from what like the traditional they see like mom and dad are like my mom is a lot like my mom isn't as motherly <laughs> as um most desi moms are um she is a little bit more modern in the sense that she works she put herself through college so that she can get like a good enough job to you know support everybody um she had a lot on her shoulders and my father same deal but um he wasn't with us as much but he always kept in contact with us even though um we didn't live with him after the divorce he called us every single day made sure that like we were well fed and everything and my dad is like a much more motherly like figure in my life he's a lot more soft he's a lot more um just understanding and he listens and he um he's not like that extremely like toxic masculine figure in my life at all. If anything, he's been a lot more progressive than even my mom has, which is interesting. Um, so I never really grew up with that like traditional nuclear family unit uh, unit. Um, and that alone kind of just made people see me differently. So when you look at, um, queer people in the community people see that as an abomination because that goes against everything that they think that a family is supposed to look like you know where does that fit in you're not marrying like a girl or you're not marrying a guy like you're supposed to like the opposite sex or anything so it's just like where's the kids gonna come from mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and people automatically just like think of that but a lot of us uh queer people in general, not just in the South Asian community, but in general, like we've had to find our own family. We've had to like make our chosen family because our family, our blood family just doesn't accept us how we are. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you look at like the ballroom scene, um, a lot of these houses, um, they have like a house mother and she takes care of all the LGBTQ kids who got kicked out of their homes and they make their own family. Mm. And that's just how it is, unfortunately, because we can't find that relationship with our own community and our own like blood family anymore. Yeah. So I think you mentioned, you mentioned two things here that I really want to touch on. You know, the first was that you grew up with non-traditional gender roles. You saw like a flip of these right. traditional gender roles, which I think in the Desi community specifically is so dynamic and so um, 
I guess, different per se. Like that's not something we see very often. I think that is wonderful that you were able to experience that, that you were able to see and interact with, you know, your dad who was very, you know, feminine and comfortable with femininity. And that's something that we're trying to, you know, talk to our parents about today that like the way you like that femininity and masculinity are not binary and they don't Mm -hmm. just exist within the person that is female or the person that is male. You know, that's a, it's something that flows. We all have some form of masculine energy. We all have some form of feminine energy and it's just about like exactly the way you said. Um, I think the other thing that I, that I love that you touched on was creating a family outside of your blood family. And that's another thing that we see in the DC community um, of like how your blood or who you're related to is your family and any other deviation from that is disrespected and not normal. Um, And I think there's so much power in finding your own family and making your own family because you're choosing what energy you're bringing into your circle and who you're surrounding yourself with because you know that they accept you for who you are. Right, exactly. There's like a different um, dynamic there because you, at that point, you realize like what it means to choose love and choose to love each other, you know? Um, I feel like sometimes, like when I talk to a lot of other South Asian queer people, they tell me that like there was this one person who told me that they felt like they were like the perfect kid. They were they had the perfect job, they had the perfect grades, they were had the right mannerisms and everything. And they're so afraid of coming out because that whole perception of them being the perfect child that their parents are so proud of is going to be disrupted and that that love becomes conditional. I mean, so many of us feel that way about our parents' love and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I think also just the the way that you're bringing up the importance of having like a family within the Desi community um, that like understands LGBTQ plus um, like identity and how it's so different from other identities. Um, could you tell us like a little bit more like what what's the Desi LGBTQ plus space like? Um, have you found a lot of like minded individuals um, like in your area or do you find that they're like spread out all over the place um and like what is your relationship with that community I actually just very very recently started finding other queer LGBTQ people um I think it's as like my Instagram and my other social medias like grew that I was able to find them because for the most part I've always been the only queer they see that I knew and it really sucked sometimes it's very lonely and like people like say like they have their like you know sly little comments or like they like fetishize you out of like nowhere and it's just like weird um so yeah let me see um for the most part I've been like the only queer person in all these spaces that I've been in but it's literally through online that I've found other queer Daisy people. And um, I'm very vocal and open about it because for such a long time, I've been not closeted, just confused. And I just didn't know when I was always in denial. And then when I realized that 
I was queer, I was like, I'm not wasting my time with this heteronormative shit anymore. Like, it doesn't do it for me. Snaps um, for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just always been very open about it. And just because I have been open when it's such a scary thing for most queer people um, in this community to, to be, um, that's how I was able to find my community because I had to put myself out there first. Like a lot of these people who do hit me up, um, a lot of them are still closeted. And um, so most of the people that I have met in the Daisy queer community are people I've met through online. And unfortunately not, not a lot of them are in New York City. They're like scattered around. I know people in Toronto, I know people in Cali, I know people in Texas. Um, think there's someone in Washington DC like these people are like scattered around and I don't doubt that there's like a bigger community in New York City but I think because of my experiences with the Daisy South Asian community in general I just turned me off from like being in certain spaces so I haven't really gotten to discover that many um in New York City but I want to and I know that that there is and I'm starting to um like build that community here too it's just not as easy as online because online you're kind of just like you see each other and like it's just easier to interact sometimes but something about like meeting people in person is hard <laughs> absolutely it is it is difficult and I I can kind of relate to you on that front of I didn't know that a south like a large south asian community existed outside of like where I lived, like Sapna and I grew up in the Bay Area and there's a lot of Daisies here, but mm-hmm. the South, the type of South Asian community that I was looking for, you know, that was mm. supportive and was passionate about mental health right. and like politically like engaged in, you know, a, a very like progressive way. Like I didn't realize those people existed until I found them, you know, via Instagram. Right. We talk about how, you know, a lot of these people, like, we've engaged with, you know, we found artists like ZHK Designs and, like, Hate Copy and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these people we've connected with via the internet. And I'm sure it's, you also talked about, like, you know, being put off by the Daisy community, which is so true. Because, like, inherently, and we talked about this in our last episode with Chitra, but inherently, the South Asian community is pretty homophobic. Whether whether they realize it or not, whether it's conscious or unconscious, it exists. Right. Tackling that. Yeah, go Sapna. Yeah. No, I think we've also, like, in the last episode, and and you were touching on this earlier, Nova, like, the... This kind of like obsession for all of our cultures, not just basic culture, to like put labels on people and, you know, like, oh, male or female and this like very just kind of outdated way of thinking and it's it's hard for people to change but I think just moving forward and and realizing that there's always so much more for us to learn and it's like not always about labeling people and labeling behaviors Mm. and things like that like I think that's something very important not just the Daisy community needs to work on but all of our communities um right yeah speaking of I wanted to ask you know a huge conversation a huge part of this conversation is 
what is the difference between gender identity and sexuality? Because they tend to be very conflated in conversations Mm -hmm. and they're different. These are two different things. Um, So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. One, why, like, what's the difference? And two, why are they so conflated? Okay. When you say conflated, um, can you explain that? Like, why are they so intertwined? Why is it that when we talk about identity, Uh, the first thing we think of is, like, sexuality? Right. Um, When it comes to the LGBTQ community, like, when you say you're queer, the first thing people think of is sex. And they're trying to imagine who you're having sex with right off the bat, which is so weird. Um, I've never done that with a straight person before. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. Um, When it comes to sexuality, it's who you are attracted to. When it comes to gender identity, it's how you identify and express yourself, what you align with, you know? Um, your gender identity and your sexuality, they can both be fluid. That's the thing. Um, Maybe that's why it gets confusing for people. Um, Like, there's like, there's so much discourse about queerness because there's so many levels to it. There's so many different identities and um, different ways to express yourself. People just don't take the time to really learn or really try to understand they're just like oh it's all too confusing but all you have to do is ask a person like hey how do you identify you know um and they'll tell you they'll tell you how to treat them how they wish to be perceived if they wish to be perceived at all um i mean speaking of straight people (laughs) speaking of straight people like we've seen in the past few months, we've had a lot of conversations about solidarity and how to show support through activism. And, you know, like you said, when we talk about, you've never said that with, you've never asked a straight person like, oh, but who are you having sex with? Like, right. (laughs) Right. And so I think you said this when we spoke last and I loved it. You were like, straight people need to do better. And I a hundred percent agree. So what does straight, quote-unquote, allyship look like? Um, like, for one, it would just be a lot easier if you guys Googled shit. <laughs> Google exactly. is free 99. And <laughs> I just feel like there's just so many questions like we, we get bombarded with sometimes. And, like, we're always like the burden is always on us to educate but that's so exhausting you know and some of these things like they might not be obvious to you but you can literally read about it there's so many people like online who've already um tried to educate people about different topics different like you know um like gender identities and sexualities and um like how not to talk to a queer person um all you guys have to do is read (laughs) um yeah it would be really helpful if you guys could try to understand more of like the history behind um lgbtq movements as well like so many um straight people want to be 
a part of Pride Parade, but that's like one of the only safe spaces we have. Like that's like one of the only days that we have where we're like, yes, like we are here and like we're we're proud and we're happy and like Pride didn't start off with like rainbows and butterflies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and glitter. It, it started off literally with violence. That's how we got to this point. That's how we got to the point of like having these great parades and like having all these um, just like amazing, colorful events. But I think straight people just automatically see that and completely like ignore all the horrible things that are still happening to us. Um, One thing I want to talk about is um, the LGBTQ panic defense which is literally a law that exists in, I think, 49 states still. I think Cali is, like, one of the only ones to get rid of it. Um, But this law basically says that, um, well, it basically allows, like, a straight person to harm or murder a queer person off the basis that when they found out that this person was queer, they had, like, some sort of cognitive dissonance. and they got scared or they just felt very alarmed and they panicked and so they get away with murdering queer people like right off the bat that's horrible it's insane and like i'm sure you already know like the past nine days i think four or six black trans women have been Mm -hmm. murdered Mm -hmm. like every single day like one of my brothers or sisters are being like murdered Mm -hmm. um and the fact that there's still laws put in place in certain places um, and um, corporations where you can discriminate against LGBTQ uh, employees. Um, Chick-fil-A still, like, why does Chick-fil-A still exist? Like, keep the, keep the chicken, keep the burgers. Can we get rid of the homophobia? Why are you still donating to right. homophobic causes? No, that's a right. yeah. They're I think still- that's a super good point. Like, also mm-hmm. just, like, being cognizant of, like, how, how we spend our money. Because there's so many corporations and companies out there that are so homophobic and are doing so many mm-hmm. terrible things. So I think it's just really important for everyone to just educate themselves on, like, where companies, restaurants, right. corporations stand. Yeah. No, that's an awesome point. Right. Allyship doesn't, like, start and end at the parades. You know? It doesn't start and end with a rainbow flag. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to like show up for us when it matters to like actually protect us because other than that, like it's all just performative, you know? Um, like sometimes it still irks me when, um, (laughs) people like post, like straight people post on pride and they have like a rainbow theme to show support. And I'm like, where's your money going though? Like, are you, are you, are you opening your purse? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't post a, a flag one day and then go to Chick Fil A the next and then like think you've done right. your your woke. You've got your woke points for the day. Like right. that's not it. You can't yeah. post a black screen and then continue to be racist. Exactly. Right. Oh my gosh, I think uh, it's a good point to bring up mm-hmm. all of the performative BS we see and like it. It goes back to like how we act on a daily basis, where we spend our money, and how right. we treat. Um, other folks in the LGBT community and how we continue to educate ourselves. It's funny because I know you mentioned that your interview with Chitra, um, you guys talked a little bit about um, people being 
like homophobic or like having stigmas around people without even realizing and I've seen that a lot with my straight friends like as much as they want to be supportive to me and like people around me like I remember when I first got with my girlfriend like this one close friend of mine who I'm no longer friends with because of like this weird energy she kind of just like how do I even explain this like she kind of just acted very like superficial and weird around my girlfriend and she made her very uncomfortable um like my girlfriend is like has more like mask energy right off the bat and she was kind of just like all over her like huh. and this is it was weird and I was That's just like uncomfortable it was so uncomfortable I was like you would not do that with my boyfriend yeah if mm-hmm. I brought him around like you would know that that's not okay boundaries. and I'm just like watch yeah exactly boundaries and I'm just like watching this like is this happening this is someone I considered like close to me um and I think you just really need to check yourself like if you're acting differently around us if you mm-hmm. have that straight guilt mm-hmm. um it's time for you to like go back and hit some books and like try to understand like why you're acting that way like I get that some people try their hardest to like make the space comfortable but it's not that serious just treat me like a person that's a great point and you know on that note we just wanted to thank you so so much for having this conversation with us you know you've you've made so many great points and this was so relatable Uh, I feel like our audience and our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing you share your thoughts. Um, And we're so, so appreciative that we got to connect with a loudmouth like you, someone who's so active in the community (laughs) and someone who's so, you know, a champion for um, the rights of others and protecting other people, especially in the South Asian community, especially LGBTQ plus voices. And so for that, we wanted to say thank you for coming and joining us. We wanted to say thank you and um for everything you do thank you so much thank you guys so much for having me and you know listening to me babble (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of loudmouth larkies you can catch a new episode next week on spotify apple podcasts and anchor A huge shout out to Colors of Roshni for the beautiful episode artwork this season, ZHK Designs for our amazing logo, and DJ Nubia for this bomb soundtrack. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at loudmouthledkeys or shoot us an email at loudmouthledkeys at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll see you next week.